Hi everyone, my name is Vanessa Valluco and welcome back to Personal Pans, conversations about belief, transformation, and all the weird and wonderful things that we experience. It's been a while. I have so many episodes and a backlog and a back catalog, incredible conversations that um, now that I, I feel like I've, I'm coming out of neurodivergent burnout, I can bring into the world. The first one is with Halo Quinn. What a delight to revisit this conversation. She is an author, a storyteller, a witch, um, the, the inventor of the Goblin Circus. And, and she also wrote a song about the Baba Yaga that moved me. I was so excited about it that I literally fell out of my chair. <laughs> and I left that in the episode because I think that's important. Um, we had an incredible conversation about ADHD and the power of storytelling, Baba Yaga, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. But so the PhD is in storytelling, is that correct? The PhD is philosophy, is the subject. Yes. And the topic of it is um, around storytelling. So it, the, the title is In Search of the Holy Story. It's nothing about religion. Right. But it's about, um, so Heidegger's philosophy of art, and I know Heidegger's controversial now, sure. um, and, and the phenomenology of storytelling. So the actual, have, have you ever been in a storytelling circle where you're sat and someone's telling a story or you're telling a story and people are listening? Yeah, yes, yes. the bardic space. Yes. And that experience, the magic of that experience where you're in the space you're and you're sharing and creating that world together, mm-hmm. listener and teller, and there's this this unity and enchantment and that was what I was writing about in the context of philosophy and like rationalized logic critical thinking stuff yeah yeah (laughs) I love it I I, uh, so uh, first I love this because um uh, Herbert Marcuse is one of my favorite writers and he wrote the aesthetic dimension and and then of course like Schiller the aesthetic education of man this idea of the there are these creative non-rational spaces where we are connected with something again that like libidinal experience this like transcendent almost experience that uh, I don't uh, all right uh, like I'm excited already to to talk about this like write down more notes we have a million different directions to go in (laughs) I'll bring up goblins again later don't worry they'll come back okay oh they always come goblins (laughs) <laughs> yeah so how did you what was the inspiration because I, I mean again I've read your book and and talking oh. about like your fairy experience but this idea of I mean one of your many books <laughs> I yeah, I was gonna say, say. which 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 one have you read <laughs> is it the more is it the the one that's just come out or yes the one that's just come out <laughs> uh, I have a copy this one Folk yes. tales, fairies and spirits yay, yay yeah perfect yeah, yeah I'm really proud of this one anyway it's... carry on you've read that I've read it's very good well and again I like the because you talked about your experience of it engaging with fairy folk from a very early age did that inform your interest in stories or was that just some of like because again ADHD multiple interests concurrently running like yeah so I'm curious about how that has evolved okay so um do you want like I'll try and and pull out the thread. <laughs> there may be tangents. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. 
like rabbit warren of mind um okay so as i as i said as a, a, a or as you said i said whichever way around it works as a as a child as a right from from my earliest memories absolute fascination with fairies and while i was growing up i was fed the imagery in ways that made sense to me at that point mm-hmm. um and the stories that fit at the the sort of ages that i was at yes. uh, so i like my family gave me a lot of things with the flower fairies on yes. so lots of the flower fairies very pretty delicate what have you and I'm like that's lovely that's only a part of it I know that's only a part of it because I can feel the the things in the in the bushes yeah but that's a part mm-hmm. of it this is the best image I have for that energy yeah. and of course Tinkerbell yes um so I'm actually people have uh, a lot of hate for Tinkerbell um and I it makes me really grumpy this this was my first ever magic wand oh it glows in the dark oh yes it still glows in the dark Um, yeah my 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 stepdad actually brought it back from me from one of his one of his many work trips um and a pair of of fairy wings you know the the white um stuff stretch over wire with sort of silver I don't have those anymore but I do still have my wand the wand is perfect (laughs) and it sits over over my bed and just glows at night which is slightly distracting sometimes sometimes well yes especially with ADHD sometimes distracting (laughs) but also just what a wonderful again like symbol and and again it's your first fairy wand like your wand you still have it like a symbol of power and connection and (laughs) and that like all the way through my childhood I was drawn to these the imagery and that word was the best word that I had um Mm. for these spirits and um and like I say people people hate on Tinkerbell they're like oh and they put down they go oh I I hate this new age I I hear people say this I hate this new age image of of fairies if you if you look at the folklore they're actually really wild and dangerous they're not like Tinkerbell and I go have you seen even the Disneyfied version of Tinkerbell she tries to kill Wendy (laughs) she is sexy and powerful and dangerous yeah and that's the disneyfied version (laughs) exactly yes yeah yes um and then obviously as i got a bit older i found the the stuff by froud and rj stewart and so all of of froud fairy oracle um i if anyone listening because eventually someone might be listening to this um if you haven't seen the froud fairy oracle like you you're nodding it, it just it encapsulates that wide variety and the energy of the fairy realm and the yes. spirits mm-hmm. that are there. You've got the the sort of um, tumbly, grumpy, ugly looking trolley type, gnomey type creatures and the grumpy ones. And you've got the beautiful fairy ladies that are sort of shimmering and shining and otherworldly. And you've got the the beings that are somewhere in between and the ones that look beautiful but are creepy and that look creepy but are actually really sweet. And there's all of this in there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this. (laughs) Right. This. (laughs) So I've I realize I've gone off tangent because you'd asked about my PhD. Um, so while I was exploring all of this, I found the Anderson fairy traditions about F E R I. 
mm-hmm. um, that one. Um, and then following that thread, I was absolutely immersed in that. Following that thread, I found reclaiming. And a week yes. after my 18th birthday, I'd gotten my results for my uh, college, my A-levels. Um, so I just finished college. I got my results um, and went, my my mum drove me to my first ever witch camp. Oh, my heart is so happy. That is amazing. <laughs> oh, I was in heaven. It of was course. brilliant. And it was, um, that particular camp was twice the size they normally were because they had a couple of of big names over from the states so uh Thorn coil was over yeah. teaching and there were some other people there as well who were quite well known um so they'd attracted quite a crowd from across europe this was obviously in england yes um and uh we were working with the story of keridwen and the birth of taliesin yes. so the the initiation and the birth, the creation of the greatest bard that ever lived. Mm -hmm. And that was the first story that I encountered at a witch camp. My first sort of, I'd been to rituals at Avebury because I lived in, I grew up in Swindon. So Mm. I I don't know if you know it, but it's like, it's not a particularly exciting place. It's a large town. Um, sure. It's a commuter town. People live there okay. and then work because it's cheap to live and then they commute elsewhere to work, to play, to whatever. Got it. Okay. But it's just around the corner from Avebury. So I could get on a bus and 25 minutes later, half an hour later, I'd be in Avebury in the stone circle, the yes. largest stone circle. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. Yeah. So I grew up going to Avebury once every couple of months just to go and run around and climb on the stones. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so there's all of like all of this in the in the background. And I'd been I'd spent a year where I'd gone and camped in the stones for each of the pagan festivals when I was about 17 mm-hmm. and met the Druids there and met King Arthur and his war band. Have you heard of King Arthur and his war band? <laughs> No, no, he's quite famous. Um, He is not. Opinions are divided. He's quite a controversial figure. But he does a lot of um, campaigning. He has legally changed his name to King Arthur. He legally got um, granted permission to carry his sword, Excalibur, around with him as a religious item. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is openly openly pagan his group are openly druidic um, so you know he does a lot of work on that he campaigns for the reburial of the the ancient dead um, so like take them out of museums which um, yeah. one of my friends um, is a lovely lovely chap his name is Will Rathouse so shout out to Will um, he makes beautiful Iron Age reenactment jewelry he's an archaeologist um, and he argued with King Arthur about reburying the dead. He's like, actually, that one way of honoring the dead, whichever side you fall down on it, but one yeah. way of honoring the dead is by learning about them and encountering them in respectful mm-hmm. um, displays and living history things. And that got him, he then got declared a dark necromancer. <laughs> amazing (laughs) 
So one of my friends is officially known by King Arthur and his warband as the Dark Necromancer. I would just put that on business cards immediately. And that is how I would introduce myself to everyone. He got it on a t-shirt, if I remember (laughs) rightly. (laughs) And for a while he wore a ring with a big skull on it because he found it hilarious. Of of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. So he now works in archaeology and mental health, um, supporting people and things like that. So really decent, decent chap. Yes. Did say there were going to be tangents, didn't we? Uh, I'm here for the ride. <laughs> yeah. So, 18 years old, end up at a witch camp, meeting Keradwen and Taliesin and all of these amazing witches and practitioners and going deep on a transformative journey. It was a solid seven days of magic and ritual and story. And uh, they told me witch camp, changes lives and it, it it yeah it really did it's why I ended up in Wales yeah but as a result of that of course I'm then deeply immersed in a tradition where the rituals are often woven around stories and often part of a ritual will involve uh, that sort of side of storytelling where you're describing and you're talking about parts of the myths and bringing that weaving that through now reclaiming is an ecstatic tradition it's not mm-hmm. wicca based it's yeah. so it's not um rooted in that fertility it's not druid based so it's not the sort of um like the the ritual drama um mm. uh what's the what's the word where you get like magical plays where people put on a magical play oh um, oh I enacting the there's a word for it there it? is a word for it and i it i've lost it now yeah it's gone of course it'll come to me later yes like so so I'm also a member of OBOT um I've just just finished the ovate grade and I've I'm about to go into the druid grade when I get around to it because sure (laughs) yeah um I've I've applied for it the point at which I get the paperwork and then hand it back that's another question but um so it's it's just too real everything you say it's just so resonant on a cellular level that's why I'm laughing I practice being I I basically took a vow of honesty when I was a very small child partly because I never learned how to lie but partly because of the stories about um the fair folk and fairies it's like honesty is so important I'm like yeah if everything that you say is true Mm -hmm. then and if you know that that is the case and the universe knows that, that is the case and the spirits know that that is the case, then if you want to cast a spell, all you need to do is say it and then it is true. I, yeah, I love, I love this. I love, yes. Yes, of course. Again, energetically, you are resonant only with truth. So you are speaking truth into the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which means, of course, that when I fall into the the old um, shame of of I never finish any projects because it takes me longer to finish the projects than it does most people. I either do it in one day or it takes me twelve years. Mm-hmm. You know, I fall into that and I reiterate those truths as truths or those stories as truths, yeah. and I have to like I, as everyone does, I have to unpick them. Of course, yeah. yes. Um, I've forgotten why I was saying that completely forgotten I know we were talking oh you were talking about because we were trying to find the word for um 
Uh, oh yeah, Druidry and reenactment. Uh, yes, not, exactly. Yeah. And the the like kind of plays or looking for that specific word and neither of us could find it. And then And then there was a step. Uh-huh. And then there was and then there was something about honesty. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was it. You said about everything was resonating. Oh yeah. This was the tangent was ADHD. Now I speak very openly about my life, my experiences, my ADHD. Um I obviously when I got the diagnosis or got recommended referred for the assessment um I hyper focused on researching it yeah yeah um, <laughs> and then built a an uh, a, a website online with links to resources for other people to use I set up a newsletter it's called living with squirrels um I've written a study guide for people for students with ADHD that just needs I'm halfway through editing it I got halfway through editing it about six months ago I need maybe a week of work on it to finish it and then I can of course yeah yeah you know so I'm doing this because because we are in we are in the minority and because our stories are in the minority yeah Mm -hmm. that I want people to know that they're not alone Yes. I want people to know that they're not broken neurotypicals. They're perfectly whole neurodivergent people. Oh, I, yes. I, yes, I love this so much. I love this so much. And, and this, I think this is why I will always, even though this is a, supposedly a podcast about belief and, and transformation, it really becomes a conversations again about ADHD, about trauma, I love talking about transgressive things because it takes the power away from that and gives power back to people who have felt shame and pain about who they are and what they can't change. Again, ADHD, I am wired this way. I can fake being neurotypical. I can present, I can mask if I need to. That is not who I am. It grates against every part of my being. This is who I am, right? Let's follow. That's why I was like, let's follow every single tangent you can think of. That will bring me joy. Will it bring you joy? Great. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah, and absolutely. And the more, so my my family, uh, my mom and my my brothers are very similar, and so I grew up with these conversations that were tan tangent rich and yeah and just bouncing around and forgetting what we were saying mid thing and coming back to it five minutes later and that to me was normal so I actually genuinely grew up thinking like this is normal and I was really really lucky mm-hmm. in that I I had the support of my mum in in all of it like throughout all of this and she's like you're lovely you're wonderful you're great and so I didn't develop the anxiety about it but I did get the responses from my peers at school who didn't understand me, who thought that I was weird, who ostracized me, mm-hmm. which meant that when I found witchcraft age 10, I went, I'm a witch. And they all went, what? Uh-huh. And they're like, you can't say that. I had friends that were who were also practicing um, and they started getting bullied for it. And they said, right, they came to me and they said, right, we're going to tell everyone we've stopped. We're going to carry on, but we're going to tell everyone we've stopped. Mm-hmm. And you have to tell everyone you've stopped as well. And we can carry on doing it in secret. But then, but if you don't tell everyone you've stopped, and I'm not going to tell everyone I've stopped because I haven't. Right. And they said, but if you don't, then they'll know that we haven't stopped. 
and we'll get bullied for it. So if you don't tell them that you've stopped, we can't be friends with you. And so not only did they carry on practicing in secret, um, as far as I know, that's what they told me they were going to do. Yes. And then lied to other people about it. But they then quietly like bullied me. Right. Whenever other people were watching, because I wouldn't go, I wouldn't lie. Right. Because it didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, so what if I'm doing this thing you think is weird? Well, it's fun. Right. <laughs> right. Again, this brings me joy. Why am I going to stop this for other yeah. people who don't even like me anyway? Like they, mm-hmm. I don't care about impressing them. <laughs> and you know, the weirdest bit about it, every now and then I'd encounter one of the one of the bullies or one of the people who avoided me in school outside of that context and for whatever reason I'd often be walking to school late um, and every now and then one of them would be late as well and because I I walk to school every day Mm -hmm. um, and one of them would end up walking with me and it happened on more than one occasion that one of them would actually go I wish I was as brave as you I wish I could be who I wanted to be and dress how I wanted to dress and do the things I want to do um and I wish I was that brave and I'm like I don't I literally can't be other than this (laughs) that's it I don't know how you're not doing like it's the easiest thing in the world to just go you know what I'm going to do my thing because this is what brings me joy and if right. I, if you don't want me in your space I will go and do it over there it, right right I'm not gonna stop who I am I especially not when you've told me you want to be doing it as well that that I don't that that's the part I don't understand like the doing things in secret I do that again my trauma background having to hide certain things like yeah sure but I also was raised by Polish immigrants and there's all, there's this mistrust of authority that is huge. And also a sensibility of, well, you don't have to tell people what you're doing, just do whatever you want. And so that was ingrained in me early of, especially like with school. I mean, my mom, very anti-conventional education, always put me in just like strange, you know, alternative schools. And even would say to me, like, well, you don't have to like any of this. See, she's like, school is something that you have to get through because you have to earn a degree, you have to, to get a job. And, and so, in, like, at, from the earliest age taught, like, oh, there are certain things that are just, like, socially expected. You don't have to like it. You can just pretend to like it. And that's only if you want to get to make things easier for yourself. So for me, it became a game. And, a, and like, you're going to think one thing about me. You're going to have no idea <laughs> what's happening. You want to see all the like, Kali statues? <laughs> Those are for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that idea of I'm going to stop being who I am and what I want and, and stop doing what I want. Like, that is not like, I can't stop being who I am. Like I, yeah. I, like my one of the more notable uh, again existential crises in my 20s was that like before I knew before I had any idea of ADHD I like I, I can't want any of the things that like normal people want I'm not happy doing any of the things that normal people do like and that like I 
they seem happy. I don't think that they're happy, but they seem happy that like missing that, like Mm -hmm. belonging. I was like, well, thankfully it only took like a year or so for me to realize like, oh, they're all miserable. I can at least just be in my corner and do my thing. And it brings me joy. I might not have a community, but you know, again, fast forward 15 years. It's like, oh, I actually, I'm part of a huge community now of amazing people. So (laughs) good for me. (laughs) It's just going to take a while. And that's exactly, that is exactly it. I mean, for for me, part of being who I am is being open about it. And like, I think there's a distinction between secrecy and privacy. Mm, Yes, yes. And, and sometimes, as you say, like, trauma for safety reasons, you might need to keep things secret. And I'm going to be utterly screwed if in the near future, I need to make things secret because I've been so out about so many things. Right. Yeah. Yes. But like that's that's going to be a bridge that I'll have to cross if it ever happens, and I hope that it doesn't. Yeah. Um, so there's but there's a difference between secrecy and privacy. And I talk a lot about things I've written about my practice. I've written about various aspects of magic. Um, my next book due out in January is on sex magic. Right. Yes. Well, it's on it's on sexual magic. So it's actually about sexual healing through magic. Oh, incredible. Yes. Thank you. Um, Because and that that uh, short tangent, keep it short, um, that so many of us have so many issues around sex and you can pick up books on how to use sexual energy in magic but before we can do that cleanly we need to do the work to be all right about our own sexual nature yes 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 thank you exactly exactly there again like there's so much again individual trauma social trauma that happens that also disconnects us from our bodies what brings us pleasure what brings us joy you know to to learn that the bot like to be have this idea forced upon you essentially that the body is not a source of pleasure when it is instinctively a source of pleasure and so how how to get back to those parts of you um, yeah like that that's incredibly important because again to come back to safety yes because to, to go back to what you've said about honesty and again, speaking that like, if you want your magical practices to be effective, then you mm-hmm. need to get honest with yourself about what you have been through, like what you're feeling about it. And then reclaiming those parts of you that you were taught not to, to, to embrace and, and to feel shame about. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. aligning all of those parts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that we're all, all our different parts are working together in harmony towards the same goal, because otherwise we're yes. like a, a a gang fighting amongst ourselves with one, <laughs> one bit going, I want to do this and another bit going, I want to do something else. And exactly. yeah. Yes. And a lot of our, our, as you say, you talk about trauma, a lot of our, our trauma um, is, it will get in the way of that we've always all of us every single person has a lot to unpick yes um I actually this weekend bumped up against a bunch of stuff that I'm not I won't talk about the details because I'm still processing of course. it yeah um that that I thought I dealt with mm-hmm. and I just sort of pulled it up and and it was just under another layer and I'm like oh okay I need to deal with this bit before I can step into the next stage it before I can get that little bit bigger yeah yes 
Yes, exactly. Yeah. And this, and I, I, I've, I had this conversation with another guest, the, and, and I talk about this with my therapist, like I've seen her off and on the same therapist for about 10 years. Cause if something, cause something comes up and it's like, <laughs> all right, I got to reach out <laughs> because this needs to be cleared because it's, it's an ongoing process of work. I feel like so many narratives about, I get really angry actually about like narratives of healing because it's not like a thing that you go through and you're done. It is an ongoing process, like you said, of unpicking, uncovering, unearthing, and thinking, oh, this is resolved. Like you can work through something, think it's resolved. And then, like you said, there is a whole other layer underneath you're not even cognizant of until something else comes up, brushes against that. You realize like, oh no, I have to do a whole other archaeological dig to take care of this cool (laughs) and some of the parts of it as well like people talk about healing and getting getting rid of and and fixing and what have you and some of it is just integrating our wounds and our baggage and our scars and going actually these are part of what make us make up who we are and they're not necessarily bad yes like this this fear can be an amazing warning system I just need to be gentle with myself when it comes up and go okay you're an ally there was a there's a beautiful thing in Elizabeth Gilbert's book Big Magic I don't know if you've read it yeah Mm -hmm. about living the creative life Um, and right at the beginning she talks about anytime you go on a creative journey and it's the same with a magical journey or a journey of self-discovery or anything you step out into the world if you want to grow more into yourself or grow in any way you the first thing you encounter on that journey is fear and your fear is there to keep you safe yes and the important thing you you like your fear is going to be with you anyway so you may as well go okay but you're sitting in the back seat. You can't drive. You can't read the maps. You can sit in the back seat and you're coming with me. And I love you because you look after us, mm-hmm. but you are not having any control over the journey. You can yes. just accompany us and warn us if there's actual danger. It, again, if there's actual danger, because <clears throat> I, I know that that I feel like comes up too. And, and something I talk a lot with my friends about of, you know, that intuition, anxiety and intuition can feel very similar, but they are ultimately different. And like, because you can talk down your anxiety and and check in with it, right? That fear, you check in like, is this this real for now? Or is this from then that you're remembering now? Intuition does not stop. And again, to, I always think of like resonant frequencies, right? It, it does ring a little different, can be very close. And again, anxiety can feel so overwhelming that you think, well, this is the real thing. It's like, no, no, no. My fear wants to keep me safe. It thinks this is an unsafe situation. We can step this back and work it through. Yeah. yeah. And we can go, this is, this is now. That was then. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This reminds you of then, but this is, this is now here. Yeah. So let's see it here. Yeah. And that, um, so I, I, I obviously get, I get overwhelmed, um, 
and less now than I than I used to because mm. I I went through a, a phase so obviously through my my childhood and while I was going through college and what have you there were a lot of structures in place my coping mechanisms were working mm-hmm. um, I was doing my homework in class because I did my work so like my classwork I do it so fast um, and then I do my homework <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that needed to be in at the end of it and then I'd sit because I was hyper focused on reading my books and my teachers let me read in class because I was quiet in the corner. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I focused. I was like, I want to read my book. And if I get through this five minutes of work that everyone else is taking half an hour on because they're chatting and they're doing whatever, I'm like, I'll do five minutes of work. I'll do 15 minutes of, of homework that I was supposed to do last night. Um, and then that's done. That's that deadline hitting with the adrenaline and the dopamine and the all the things and then I can read my book for the rest of the class like that's how I got through school um when I and in fact it's kind of how I got through my undergraduate at university not quite the same but I loved doing philosophy so much because we were in class debating stuff with each other it was an interactive you were just constantly drumming up that dopamine and that interaction that connection and the exploration of things and pulling in all the different ideas yes. so I loved that mm-hmm. uh, the, the sitting and doing the coursework not so much um but <laughs> you know leave that to yeah. the night before and you do it in the night that's fine I'm a yeah. fast type um once I got to my PhD and I've been doing it for a couple of years that none of that was there anymore I wasn't having interactions with other students I was sat on my own trying to write 80 to 100,000 words yeah my um and at that point my relationship my marriage um in about the middle of that just started to absolutely fall apart um so on top of all my my on top of that like then all the stress everything my coping skills just went yes yeah yeah um so um I forgot why I started talking about that (laughs) (laughs) that was so engaged can't remember I will no uh, I will come back it will come back um talking about like stress and stress and diet because I don't know if that was also Mm. the time that you got diagnosed because that I feel like all of my friends who have recently gotten diagnosed, it was mm-hmm. because of the pandemic, because yes. you have all these methods in place. Again, you think, oh, everybody has to make these adaptations. Everybody has to, to make all these workarounds. And so you have all of those things in place and that works in normal levels of stress. And mm-hmm. then there are X, you know, the, this, the, the incredible levels of stress in terms of, you know, uh, marriage difficulties, or a pandemic where everybody's in lockdown and suddenly yeah. this, the normal structures are all starting to fall away and then all of your coping skills are gone and you think oh I can't even get out of bed like I physically can't I have energy but I physically cannot get out of bed because my brain will not allow it I'm get yeah. to short circuit like that it is impossible to describe to people who don't have that experience <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how you did. I don't know how to describe that feeling of just when my brain just goes, no, no, right. Yeah, we're just not doing anything today. I, I, I didn't consent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, no, you just, no, take, take the handcuffs off, please. Like, I have, I, I have things I want to be doing. I want to see my friends. I want to eat because I am hungry. I need to go and pee. Let me go and pee. Nope. Nope. Just no. Right. Just no. 
you'll just, you'll survive just handle it we'll power down certain systems yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like what do you do at that point so that that yeah that was um when things started to fall apart I started going to a counselor through the university mm-hmm. and the first set of sessions it was like 10 weeks or whatever it was eight weeks yeah. that I saw my counselor he turned around and said to me have you ever been assessed for ADHD and I went no be, don't be silly I did really well at school <laughs> right a year later I go back and he says to me are you sure you don't need to be assessed for ADHD <laughs> and he gives me some so like he points out some examples and he's like because I know this other person who does exactly the same things you do in order to cope I constantly have music going I have mm-hmm. to constantly have background noise. If I'm outside, I'm I'm in nature, I'm okay. Yes. But if I'm indoors or in a city, I need to have music going. If I'm in a busy, crowded city, it's to tune out the 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 chaos of the people. Yes. But but if I'm in my own space, in my flat or in a quiet indoor room, partly it's to tune out the echo off the walls mm-hmm. and the buzz of the electronics and the what have you. Yes. But partly it's because if I don't have that input, I just stop. Wow, and I yes. used to find this, that I'd, ha- I'd put on a CD when I was in my teens. I'd put on a CD. Um, and at some point, if I forgot to put it on repeat, at some point it would get to an end and it would stop. And I would, at some point after that, some amount of time after that, I would either find myself singing to myself to keep going, or I would have just stopped I would literally just have stopped I and my brain would be blank I'd have no idea what um had happened how long I'd been sat there for I just sort of I don't know like a bird would call outside or something and I'd come to and go how long have I been still for wow so yeah meditation (laughs) It's a terrifying thing for me. I'm like, no, I don't want to sit in silence because my brain will shut off. Right. It will just go into idle. And that doesn't help anyone. Right. Like it does that naturally. It just goes to sleep. What's the... <laughs> no, don't make me do that. That doesn't help. Right. I'm not connecting to anything that way. I'm off. I've been turned off. <laughs> yes. I'm like, who knows where my spirit goes at that point? Right. Like, I am, I'm hoping it's doing something useful, right? <laughs> right. Like, I hope I'm it's hoping. going on a wonderful journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it'll be fine. But, you know, so there's all of this, there's all of this stuff. There's all, and there's all of this stuff around ADHD and the foibles of our brains and the way that that interacts with magical practice and honesty. And I still can't remember why I was talking about stress and falling apart in the middle of it. But I absolutely agree. So many people have found that the structures in place over the pandemic that they had that kept them going. And a lot of people have found the stress has given them ADHD type symptoms. Yes. Which is why an assessment is actually important because it tracks back whether or not those symptoms were present in childhood. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And, and that, that's the incredible thing too, especially talking to other people who did similar things (laughs) to things I did as a kid and just like, Oh man, it was always, it was always there. It was just, I managed it somehow. How did no one notice? (laughs) That's 
what that's what I want to know. But I think if you're high achieving, yeah, people just assume, oh, well, this person is quirky. She's quirky. It's fine. Yeah. I, I've, again, I feel like all, all of my female friends who have been diagnosed recently, all very intelligent, all very high achieving, you know, not the typical like smart, but failing at school. It was like, no, I hate this. I'll do it. But I, I, I'm going to, and I'm going to do the hell out of it because that's how I do everything (laughs) (laughs) until I can't do the hell out of anything anymore out of anything. And then I can't do anything. And then all my friends think I hate them. And it's, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, my, um, I, I often describe it as my friends self-select. Um, I'm, I, I make initial connections and initial friendships very quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that. And I love connecting with people. I love talking to people. And then the people that stick around are the ones that often have similar foibles. So are often people who um, will be running late randomly or they've gotten distracted or will have bouncy conversations or Mm -hmm. um whereas the people who aren't like that often find it um like they get upset or they get rude or they feel disrespected I'm like I'm really sorry this isn't personal right right if if anything jumping around following tangents to me that's an indication that we're connecting because we're both excited about what the other person is saying and we're taking it in a specific direction it's like constantly like meeting diverging meeting diverging and then like following each other down it's like yeah. going on a little adventure but it's a conversation i yeah. love that yeah. oh we get these amazing mental conversation uh, conversations adventures mental yes. adventures and 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 then i come out of it and i'm like oh yeah all of these i've now got these extra connections that have been made that too things that I didn't think together necessarily and now I do and again my synaptic web is more (laughs) connected I like that personally (laughs) I love it I love it so um that to bring it back uh, about the point that everything fell apart I was actually my PhD was actually in um Heidegger philosophy and the phenomenology of uh visual art right yes so I was looking at Paul Klee and the way in which he describes the the creation the movement of the line across the page and how a picture develops out of that and how when the audience looks at it um the 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 looks at the painting afterwards their eye follows it and creates that image so I was looking at that piece of it um but in amidst sort of a few years before this put this changing point my friend will was in the cafe and I was having a conversation with someone over the other side of the cafe no idea what it was and I spot Will and I know he's a storyteller and I don't know why I have no idea what possessed me but I stopped the conversation like the, these both the conversations have been going on for ages I've heard for ages like for a couple of minutes or whatever we were mid-conversation and this idea comes into my head and I have to follow it this impulse I have to follow it and I say I'm really sorry hang on a second I bounce across the the cafe sorry Will do you mind if I interrupt you a second no no that's fine I'm like um and I've never thought about this before never considered it before and I say to him how would you feel about taking on an apprentice storyteller (gasps) I had absolutely never considered storytelling before and just in that moment all of a sudden and I bounce up to him and he's like 
yeah, I'm going to be telling stories next month in an Iron Age roundhouse in reenactment gear. We'll sort you out a costume um, and like pick some some like relevant stories and you can come and see me do it and then you can have a go. And I just went, okay. Incredible. And I get like, we spend like that month meeting up and he helps me sort out some fabric for a, a tunic, for an Iron Age tunic and, and the, the wool to do the bit. And he sorts me out some brooches and, um, and makes me a pair of shoes. And the shoes were my payment for the first session. And he lent me a silver talk that he'd made um for and i went i i did about three or four sessions of of storytelling with him yes. um and and it just sort of so within a month of me going hang on a minute uh, and it was like falling down a rabbit hole and i got up there around this fire in this gloomy roundhouse with the, the straw and the the dust and the kids sat around in their trainers sort of shuffling and this this Will sat down after doing this great long recounting of of some Irish thing with great long lists of of this person mm -hmm. had this magical power, which was fabulous. But I can't remember what it was now. Sure. Yeah. Um. And and I sort of get up and I'm like, I have never done this before. I have no idea what's going to happen. And it was like standing in a ritual. And I'd done this. I'd done this on my own in my own private practice I'd done it with friends where I'd stood up in a ritual and and improvised a description of a deity that we were invoking or talking about that because I don't have the time or the head concentration to research it and write a thing and memorize a thing so I improvise everything yes yeah so yes. I get up in this roundhouse and it's it's dark and it's flickery and the kids are all staring at me going what what is this what's going on is this going to be the same thing and I start telling the story of Rhiannon and how she rides the white horse across the land and how um, the prince comes like tries to catch her and can't catch her and eventually calls out her name and asks her to stop in the name of love is the version I used and she stops and it's this sort of magical thing and afterwards I'm like huh I did a thing <laughs> And it felt like it came through me. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I tuned into that space that I'd been mm -hmm. training in and experiencing for the past several years yeah. of that running magical rituals in a story environment. Mm -hmm. And it came through from that space. And most of the stories that I tell outside of the Goblin Circus are myths and fairy tales. Yes. And they're stories about magic and about like mm -hmm. all of those components hence the 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 book rooting the folk into the folk tales and into the myths yes. and going okay when you've got a story this is how you find the keys to the magic that resonate for you and open the doors that are in front of you yes yeah I it's I mean I shouldn't be surprised that you mentioned reclaiming because when I started reading there were a couple lines I thought this is this feels like reclaiming because again, like you said, that ecstatic tradition, mm -hmm. the focus on consent, the, uh, the paying attention to, again, these are, are these the spirits of your land? Does that mean that spirits in other lands operate the same way? Why don't you engage with them to see what they might want and might need? Again, assume, assuming nothing, like going in open, listening, yeah. paying attention, receptive to feedback. And also that idea of UPG, like, okay, we can have all of these 
stories and folklore is told to us, but what are you feeling right now? Because again, we have stories that are hundreds, sometimes thousands of years old. Does that resonate with us now as we yeah. are practicing witches now and in, in engaging in, the, in this world? Does it feel the same? Does it need to feel the same? It, again, are you, are you having that like head tingling experience of being in the moment of channeling, of feeling connected to, to powers outside of yourself? Like that, go with that. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. can read the stories and listen to the stories that people tell you for those keys. But yes. once you get to that door and you open that door and you meet the spirits on the other side, what is your relationship with them? And what are they, what stories are they telling you? And that builds your relationship. That's not necessarily going to apply to anyone else. Like if you want to start telling people like, this is how you do such and such, then you have to actually like, that's a different process. But for your own practice and your own relationships with them, then you've mm -hmm. got to start there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is all, um, I, I didn't, I, I, so when I was I was about 12 or 13 and there was a, a small group of us uh, that I didn't go to school with and we picked up a copy of the spiral dance uh, and it yeah. was the 20th edition um, of it so there were loads of notes in the back um, updating and going I've updated this language and this bit the this mythology about the witch burnings actually we've discovered that's not true so I've updated that um, and this bit was overly gendered and our, our understanding has has evolved and the conversation has moved on so there's all of these bits in in there which I love I've managed to get hold of a first edition copy not like a first first edition but yeah. one of the first yeah and comparing the two is really fascinating because some of the language and some of the pieces in there you can see her roots in Anderson Ferry interesting yes yeah yeah which have uh, evolved so reclaiming grew the magical strand in that is yes. strong and it grew out of that place and that's an ecstatic tradition as well that's I'm uh, mm -hmm. um, initiated in in Anderson mm -hmm. Ferry so that's that's my heart and reclaiming is the the community and the outward expression where that comes out for me yes and then the storytelling is then the outer circle of that yes. where I'm like okay here I can do my personal my private practice my relationship with the gods and the spirits mm -hmm. and then here I can do the community work and the ritual and the magic and the transformative work of engaging with the people around me and then in the storytelling I can share the echoes of that enchantment out with people who desperately need it and who will go home to their nine to five and find a little bit more color yes. And hopefully a little bit more comfort and a little bit more joy mm -hmm. rather than just the grind. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. To me, that that is pro like real magical work, right? Are you, again, I, are you doing inner alchemy and are you also facilitating those moments for other people? Because storytelling is so powerful. You are engaging with people on a fundamental level and and like you said to add add like those little richness in their lives like it's beautiful but there's something else about the stories as well so specifically mm. storytelling watching something on the television doesn't do this right 
listening to something on the radio does a little bit but mm-hmm. li- or reading something there's a little bit more but live storytelling where you're in the space you are if you, even if you're listening you're creating that world and you immerse yourself in it now obviously different styles resonate differently with different people so you know you you find the storytelling style and the storytellers that that connect with you and that you yeah. connect with but once you find that you're in this space and not only do you get that taste of enchantment but also you actively engage with it and your mind goes through the processes so this is where uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes yes. and her work the women who run with the wolves like and that that Jungian thread and the people who work with that yeah. so this is where that comes in because when we work through a story by immersing ourselves in it and listening or telling or by the like the next step actively engaging in ritual and magical work and what have you and, and analyzing it but even just the listening and the storytelling we go through the process with the characters in it and the parts of our mind shuffle through those things and so we engage with the 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 different parts of our mind those different archetypes the different archetypes in our lives through the story and so we can be healed by them even if it's just in that little way mm-hmm. and so I like so back in it was basically April Fool's Day um <laughs> it was I I I injured my hip and landed myself in hospital and spent the mm-hmm. the the night in a and e and they didn't have they they'd run out of beds so they left me in uh, an examine on an examination table on um, oral morphine oh, um, no. in oh, and it was no. in in an examination room and the light was on a motion detector and it stayed on for about 20 minutes and then it'd turn off if you'd been still for 20 minutes so I was staying dead still for 20 minutes and it would go off and I'd relax and it'd come back on again <laughs> And I have I have a big big fluffy um it's a cat hat one of the ones with ears but it's huge yeah. enough to go over my headphones which is why yes. I like it and it's got pockets in the in the paws fantastic yeah. <laughs> right so I was wearing that I was I wouldn't take my clothes off because I'm like no I feel vulnerable enough as it is yes. and I wore this big fluffy hat over my face pulled down <laughs> over my face to try and give me some some darkness um and so basically for the past five months it's been now um I've been yeah. Like for the first month or two, I was stuck in my flat. I couldn't walk properly. Oh, Every yeah. step was pain. Um, and so I was sort of stuck in my space going, okay, <clears throat> what can I do in this place? I, mm-hmm. I still can work from home. I do VA work. I do teaching online. I write. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I've got those aspects. I didn't have access to my backup income, which was like working in retail because we all need backup income of course yes yeah but I had enough like enough things going on and enough enough sort of money tucked away from um since the pandemic actually uh that I was okay so I'm like all right what do I do I'm stuck in this space my my flat is a one-room flat right it's tiny yeah um yeah so it's like a womb it's my cave so I'm like, okay, I'm going to m- be in my cave and what do I need to learn? And what do I need to study? And the two things that I looked at, that I focused on, um, I dove deep into exploring Tantra and embodied sacred sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so after having worked through the books I write, I mostly write um, 
as kind of manuals for myself. I'm like, these are the things that I need. I write these things. I work through these things. I then know they work. And then I tidy them up. And it might take several years before I tidy them up. And then I'm like, maybe this will help other people. Yeah. This is what I needed. Mm -hmm. So like I've done done the work in in Crimson Craft about that sort of healing, those sorts of things. I'm like, right, the next step is this sacred sexuality and these aspects. And the other side of it that I was looking at is singing and songwriting, which I have done in secret. I've been a secret singer-songwriter since I was a teen. I used to, well, since since I was a child. Mm -hmm. I was too scared to share it. Mm-hmm. So I've been working through this process and I've, yes. I've got a mentor that I'm, I'm working through this, this process with mm-hmm. um, a fabulous lady. Um, and I really, really lucky to be in the situation I am. And in writing the songs, I'm sort of channeling these, these songs and going, okay, what's coming through. Yes. And they're all based, almost all based in stories. Mm-hmm. And so when I encounter resistance or fear or whatever, then, and I'm like, okay, let's sit with this. Let's breathe and see what my, my muse, my soul wants to sing about. What would be healing for me in this space? Yes. And it uses the language of stories. So one is, is like a, a ballad. It's sort of a folky ballad that's kind of quite upbeat. That's asking Baba Yaga for like, <sighs> teach me how to to feed myself and how to look after myself and how to trust my intuition like how do I trust my own guidance through the paths through this forest of fear yeah and one is is that okay when faced with the wicked stepmother like representing various things from childhood mm-hmm. like that's come up in my psyche how mm-hmm. do I engage with that yes and these songs are coming out I'm like oh and I'm singing them and then bursting into tears yes. and going through that process or singing them to myself yes. and then lightening up. And I can feel the way that they're shifting and changing me. And it's the same thing that stories do. But in these short, like, three minutes yes. of song. That is incredible. <laughs> I'm really loving it. Um, I'm not quite ready to actually share any of the songs yet, but I'm getting to that point. I'm like, I'm so close because, yeah, I'm so excited. Um, of course, especially it again. I have been on this Baba Yaga, I guess, point of high, like research binge lately, and and the stories and and like again, like meditations almost. So of course, I want to hear this song as soon as you feel comfortable sharing it with anyone. Hang on, hang on. Okay. okay, because because we're being recorded and it's not like it is just you. Yes. I can, I maybe I can. Maybe I can do that. Do you, do you want to hear it? Of course I do. I won't. Okay. It, it, it doesn't have to. <laughs> I got so excited because I have a Baba Yaga plush that I will oh. bring out in our oh. house on chicken's legs. So we oh. can all have a yes. little meditation right now let's have a little... well it's not, it's not quite a meditation it's not quite a meditation it is it's a it's more of a anyway well you'll see it'll be, um, be a delightful we'll have a moment a we'll just have a delightful moment <laughs> yeah let's have a delightful moment and if i go horribly wrong in the middle of it then you can cut it out oh look at her she's so cute it's <laughs> pretty amazing oh oh i love her did you make her i didn't know this was 
it was just it was an actual like licensed plush oh. that came out baba yaga in her house on chicken's leg and i was like oh i need this in my life yes <laughs> yeah. yes Do, are they can 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 i get one somewhere like where I, can i this i bought still... no this i bought a 2004 so <laughs> you can oh. probably find it on ebay um but maybe yeah. i'll have a look i've got to have a look she's amazing oh she's stunning yeah um yeah but baba yaga started coming up for a variety of things and then as i was say, said i was rereading the women who run with the wolves yes and and so I, like that story about um vasilla the brave fight like learning to trust her intuition and go into the dark scary places exactly yeah yes. and and trusting herself and entrusting herself to the world yeah and yes. then gaining that scary skull full of green burning fire and taking it home and going you know what discernment and and that like burning away of the things that are hurtful and going no get out of my life it's I, I will have to share this with you. I have a couple art pieces that are Baba Yaga and, and Vesalissa related. And one is her holding that flaming skull. And it is so, it's so evocative. Oh. It's so beautiful. As soon as I saw it at, at this uh, uh, comic book convention, I was like, that needs to be in my house on my wall. <laughs> so Yes. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned comic book conventions. Do you make a habit of going to comic book conventions? Are you a I comics used, reader? Uh, I, I used to be. I'm more, I like, anime convention most of that like nerd circuit okay. I've been in interested yeah. in at one point or another yeah <laughs> yeah well it was I don't know if you know David Max Kabuki oh yes yes yeah so alchemy his uh, when that started coming out I, enca- I I went into a random comic shop in a random town that I was visiting I went oh what's this about and <laughs> found that and I, the first issue had just come out and I picked it up and went this looks pretty and I bought it and yes. I just that then took me into the world of comics and of course you know Sandman obviously but of like course. Promethea and yeah. um new X-Men of all things and it's been a while yeah since I've I've engaged with comics but yeah like that Kabuki is just anyway yeah, to, yeah. comics tangents so Baba Yaga so I need to I need Baba to Yaga. sing to, to Baba Yaga, Baba Yaga. <laughs> I haven't written the accompaniment yet I want to do an accompaniment for it and I haven't written it yet um because I'm still learning how to do that yes so um okay all right okay let's let's be brave see if I can start on the right note you're, you're, <clears throat> I'm really nervous now. <laughs> you're hot on its chicken legs dancing deep in the wild woods alone. You fly in a pestle and mortar and your boundaries marked in bone. Oh, teach us your ways, Baba Yaga. You know how to feed yourself well and how to be just and all that you are and to like all your foibles just swell like ADHD. <laughs> you laugh in the face of pretty. You spit when told to play nice. You're the essence of unruly power, untamed but sure of what's right. Oh, teach us your ways, Baba Yaga. You know how to feed yourself well and how to be just and all that you are and to like all your foibles just well. You know the things we've forgotten as we've shouldered the burdens we're told. You know the fire that burns in the skull that keeps us from getting too cold. Oh, teach us your ways, Baba Yaga. You know how to feed yourself well 
and how to be just and all that you are and to like all your foibles just swell. We've come to your door empty-handed, all we've left is a longing for more, and we're searching for all we've forgotten, but we'll work and we'll fight for it all. Oh, teach us your ways, Baba Yaga, you know how to feed yourself well, and how to be just and all that you are, and to like all your foibles just swell. For once we were on wild legs dancing, deep in the dark woods our home, and we flew in a craft of our making, with our boundary marked in bone. Oh, teach us your ways, Baba Yaga, to know how to feed ourselves well, and how to be just and all that we are, and to like all our foibles just swell. To like all our foibles just swell. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. I, oh, I feel like I have been given this incredible gift by hearing the song like again I am very much like this has been a part of my she should clap also for you for that incredible, incredible song um yes I th that that is so energetically resonant with me and everything I've been going through and it's just a beautiful incredible song I I <laughs> I uh, thank you. <laughs> Mutual thank you. Oh, good. <laughs> well, thank you for for being a witness to to that. Actually, yeah. Again, <laughs> I feel I I feel I am honored. I am truly honored. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh yeah. So that like the core part of my of my magical practice, um there's sort of these two parts that to me are, are a whole mm -hmm. and that is the stories as um as doorways as windows as introductions mm -hmm. to the magic yes. as guides the stories yes. as guides yes yeah and the importance and the centrality of embodiment and that pleasure yes. like pleasure mm -hmm. is our guide so when we when we make art when we share stories when we create and when we listen and when we uh, enjoy beauty or sublimate sublimity sublimeness mm -hmm. like when we have fun with things all of that like we're following that part of our intuition that that doll in our pocket mm -hmm. that is like yes this Yes. And when we feel it in our bodies, our bodies tell us. And yes. I know, I know there's the, the flip side of that is, is when there's chronic pain or trauma or yeah. all of those things around it and finding that balance um, for some people can be really, really difficult. And sometimes that isn't a path that people can use easily, but it's kind of, fundamental and fundamentally there underneath all of that for us as human beings and as magical creatures yes oh my yes <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I switched from talking about painting to switching talking about storytelling in my PhD <laughs> you clearly made the right choice <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and again, ecstatic choice of just like, oh no, I need to do this. I need to have this conversation. This needs to happen right now. Like yeah. again, to be open to that, to to make that exploration and then 
create all these <laughs> wonderful things. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I used to say like, cause I, I jumped from project to project, yes. or at least it sort of felt like that or looked yes. like that from the outside. And yes. while I was growing up, I had a lot of things that I'd start and then hadn't finished yet. So yes. there was a lot of people going, we well, never finish anything right. like we were talking about. Of so there's that bit of shame about it. Yes, of course. But like, that's me following the the pleasure and every mm -hmm. time I move from uh, one medium or one topic into another I'm not dropping the previous thing I'm bringing it with me and making those connections and sometimes you've got to go from from painting to storytelling to understand how when you come back to painting that you can tell the story and you're learning something with each one yes yes exactly so I used to say, oh, I just get bored easily. And now I say, I am just, I get excited about things easily. Yeah. I am in love with the world and I am so excited by everything. Yes. Yes. And that, I think that's such a wonderful way of reframing it again, to reduce shame and, and, um, you know, self-insults and just say like, no, I'm engaged. I am excited. I want to chase all, again, all these connections because I know that they're there. If I can't see them right away, I know that they're there. And, and if I go on this exploration and, and find out they're not, I've learned something also, like that is also <laughs> useful information. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. you know, we like, we feed ourselves by exploring new and different things yes we feed ourselves like it, there's there's this whole thing about we think we describe things as being failed if we don't do them forever yes we're a failed artist if we paint for two years and then never pick up a paintbrush again and I'm like no no we made art that just because we stopped it doesn't mean we failed right yes it fed us for then and now we're doing something else and it's yes. always a part of us because we are all the people we have ever been yes yes exactly yeah yeah like yeah I just yeah I get excited about about the world that's <laughs> I get excited and I make stuff and, and then I sort of I I kind of throw it out and then yeah. I'm excited about something else. So I'm actually quite bad at marketing because like once things are out in the world, well, I'm like, yeah, not. you go, go and play, go and play. That's fine. I'm doing this now. It's... And I was like, oh no, you've got to keep pushing that. I'm like, but why? It's out in the world. Can't other people just find it? <laughs> exactly. Like it's there, it's there for them. It's waiting for them. It's not a problem, but no, no, <laughs> no. I have to like, I have to do the, the, the pushing the things and go, look, I've got this book and this book. Yeah. exactly yeah. yeah um so I'm I'm trying to work out okay how do I how do I share in a more excited way like oh. ha in an authentic way of like I'm really proud of this thing that I did and I want it to to feed other people yes I turned these 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 stories and these books and the the songs and I've, I'm creating them because they're medicine for me and the artwork is medicine for me and mm -hmm. I'm human so if the medicine works for me, then it will work for other humans. Yeah, yes, yes. So I then publish them, send them out through my publisher or whatever, whichever mm -hmm. way it goes out into the world, as an offering, as a gift. Mm -hmm. And if I'm entirely honest, I don't care if, if I get paid for it or not, but I need to get paid for it in order for me to keep going. Yes, exactly. 
<laughs> so I, you know but I'm like I'm just I, like it's out there it's out there in the world and I hope mm-hmm. it does it does people good and I hope people yeah. find joy in it or inspiration in it and if they don't they hand it on to someone that it does yes. support um and just you know do your own thing make your own beautiful things that I'm going I'm rambling now I, but I just I just I ADHD squirrels I, totally squirrels yeah. yes but I, I want everyone to be like make the thing that makes your heart sing yeah get excited about the things that make your heart sing yes yeah I, exactly like you have this one life so chase yeah. the things that bring you excitement and joy yeah. what, what else are you gonna do and if you fill yourself with excitement and joy and delight and enchantment, then it overflows and it feeds the world around you. Yes, yes, exactly. Like Every- that, that is medicine, as you said, for other yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Be joyous. Yes. And there is then more joy in the world. Oh, my God. Yes, that exactly. Yes. But yeah. Oh, I'm sure God. none of these thoughts are, are, are um, like... They're not original, uh, but they're ones that I've absorbed from the world and gone, actually, yes, this, this. Yeah. Well, again, when you find ideas and thoughts and beliefs that resonate with you, again, I don't care if they're original or not. Are they true? Right. Are they? Because the way that you express them, the way that any of us express any of these like truths about the universe is going to be different by virtue of the fact that each of us has a different experience walking in the world there can be many similarities but no one is wired exactly like anyone else so it's important to have these conversations about like what again what feeds you right what is medicine for you what what can be medicine for other people especially for people who are disconnected from their joy and from their pleasure if they don't know what their eros is they're trying to go on that discovery yeah. All right. Here, here, here's some options. Like chase those. See if they make you excited. Yeah. 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 And this, it, and again, this is one of the reasons that I talk about the things that I do, and yeah. that I'm open about. Even though sometimes I'm nervous about being open about, like I am obsessed with fairies. That makes me sound like a complete flake. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm aware I feel like a complete flake. There is a bit of me that's like, maybe I shouldn't talk about that in the pub or at work or whatever. But as soon as I start talking about it and I light up and other people ask me questions and I'm like, oh, oh, so actually it's possible to be joyous. Yes, yes, yes. That, the again, that alchemy, that ability to transform other people's lives just by being authentically joyous. I I don't think that gets talked about enough. Like that is powerful magic in and of itself. You are helping other people become alive again, become embodied again, be excited again, to play again. Yeah. And that's what I strive for. I'm not saying that I'm successful (laughs) in it all the time, but that's what I strive for. The noble goal. Yeah. And it, like, and some people are completely turned off by it. They're like, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" And I'm like, I, "Why? Why do you feel threatened by this?" I am always confused by that because yeah. because the usual reaction I have too when I'm excited about things and talking to people about things I'm excited is they get lit up, right? They get yeah. they're they're activated, and when people recoil and and get suspicious, like, "Oh, is there something that?" you're again you're threatened by this crumbling why is that 
Yeah. <laughs> what are you defending yeah. so strongly? Is it working for you? Because you don't seem uh, joyous. Yes. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. If it is working for them, then that's fine. Totally. But if they want, like, if they want something, if you want something different, then you've got to change what you're doing and be open to taking those steps. And that's yes. so hard. Of course, yes. It's so hard, but yeah. it's so worthwhile. Yes, exactly, exactly. Even if fear is sat in the backseat of the car. <laughs> And it's fine. It comes along for the ride. It cannot <laughs> talk to us all the time. Yes, That's the rule. you are not navigating <laughs> exactly. or driving. Exactly. Look at the scenery. Isn't it nice? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, have a fidget toy. <laughs> but I did promise um, that we'd come back to the goblins. The goblins, yes. Please, let's talk about the goblin circus. <laughs> okay, so I was at a comic convention Yay. Mm -hmm. Right. I'd I'd been doing the sort of reenactment, living history style storytelling, telling the myths and loving the fairy tales, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of that jazz. And I'm like, I kind of I want to do a show. I want to do a like a thing. And I've got a bit of a fan of steampunk. And at this comic convention, I come across a guy called Dr. Jeff. Right. Mm -hmm. And he runs um, the tea, steampunk tea museum right okay yes. now at that point he wasn't doing goblins he now does goblins um after <laughs> i spoke to him about about the goblin circus i'm like i maybe i inspired that i don't know maybe it was brewing in the background maybe we just tapped into the same thing but at that point he did the tea museum and i think that's still touring it's fantastic uh he also does fetish man comics which uh are pretty much what they sound like like one single page um very adult yeah. with a character called fetish man uh, and pa like <laughs> patches uh, like patches with with t different types of tea on it and so you can get um a patch that's that's sort of a stripe that goes oh, uh, uh, or a brown one that says earl gray and then underneath you can have two plus two sugars plus one milk um oh. soya milk or whatever like however you like it yes. yeah to go on steampunk gear yeah. yes. so anyway right and this is at the point where I'm still doing uh, visual art for my PhD mm -hmm. and I encounter this thing and I walk around. It's this great big, it takes up like three stalls worth of space. And it's these huge boards with these displays of, of um, scenes with tiny, tiny, tiny little model people of like the great battle of, of whatever in this tea realm like the great battle of rubosh in 1722 or oh. I, I don't know um it's completely fictional stuff and i'm looking at it going this is amazing it's absolutely amazing like you've made an entire world with this thing oh, okay all right i'm like something's brewing in the back of my head and um i actually got to have a chat with him for about an hour over a cup of tea about art and the experience of making art and all of that so i was do doing research for my phd this is great. I come away from it and I sort of sat down later on in the day and I just go and it pops into my head, fully formed, the concept of a goblin circus, a circus where the crew are goblins and the acts are fairy tale characters, right? Oh, yes. 
And so, so the Goblin Circus became this storytelling show, which was a one woman, many goblin show where I'd get up on stage in my, in my tail coat and top hat. Um, and I still miss wearing my top hat when I do like more serious talks. I quite often have a bit at the beginning where I'm like, this is the point where normally I'd adjust my top hat to let myself know I am on stage and to just give my hands something to do and to distract you while I'm catching my breath and going, oh, I've got to do a thing, I've got to do a thing. <laughs> Adjusting my hat and straightening my tailcoat and going, look, this is the character. I am a ringmaster. Not a ringmaster. I'm a ringleader because goblins do not take kindly to masters. They barely listen to leaders. <laughs> to be fair, they are in charge here. I'm just the voice. But they've forgotten to or lost or one of them drank all of the uh, the fairy ointment, which would allow you to be able to see them. So instead of you watching the acts, I'm going to have to tell you their stories. So I then introduce each of the acts by telling you how Little Red and her performing wolves came to be part of the circus. And it's the fairy tales turn with a twist. So there's always a, a shift or a change. Yeah. And then as the, the show evolved and as I added in more stories, yeah. I wrote a couple that were, were entirely new that were in oh, that yes. vein. Yeah. yeah. Um, like Corey, the littlest gob uh, goblin that got trapped by a bad magician. And by bad, I don't mean he was evil. I mean, he was just <laughs> really bad at it. <laughs> he was trying to summon a demon, got a goblin. <laughs> stormed up the stairs of his basement sorry his mum's basement <laughs> to go and sulk in his bedroom yes <laughs> yeah you get the picture I love and, it all <laughs> and I spent I spent about two three years kind of taking this round yes. steampunk markets and like little yes. community fairs yeah. and things um and carrying the big top in an acorn yeah that you then throw into the center and the big top grows around everyone and the acts come on and then you describe and it just yes. it was so much fun yes. and the very first time I told it I had a 15 minute slot and what eventually became an hour and a half to two hours worth of material I told in 15 minutes have you heard of Dave the Bard oh yes yeah? yeah. Somehow I ended up being the warm up act for Dave the Bard oh. and Blanche Rowan and Mike Gulston were, were yeah. performing as well. Um, and it was at, a, at this conference. And so it, they went, Oh, yeah, you can go on first and tell, tell a story. And I'm like, You've got 15 minutes. I'm like, Okay. So I get up there in my top hat, my tailcoat, and I've got a microphone. And Dave and, and Mike and Blanche have been very, very kind in helping me work out what I meant to do with a microphone because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Like, can I walk around with it? Probably best not in case you get tangled up. Okay, yeah. right, stand very still. Hold exactly. on to the mic stand. <laughs> and so I start talking and I start doing the story and I've squashed, say, two hours worth of material into 15 minutes. So it is at top speed, <laughs> intense, weird, that no one has ever heard before. Yes. And about a hundred pagans in the room. And I don't know if you I, I, I don't know if you've ever done storytelling, but everyone kind of goes into a sort of chilled receptive state mm -hmm. and they don't it's not a back and forth mostly, right. unless you do that sort of style. Like it's it's they're quite chilled and just listening and absorbing. Um 
and I I wasn't used to that I was used to kids who get up and interrupt oh. <laughs> right these were all adults there was one six-year-old there and everyone else was over the age of 20 30 like, yes yeah and and so 15 minutes full power full force of my like yeah. leonine self yeah, yeah. ADHD nervous rams into intensity and I get to the end and there's dead silence and I bow and I run off the stage and I'm halfway off the stage and the applause starts but by this point I'm still panicking of course of course yeah yes and then of course like Blanche Ryan and Mike Galston come on and they're performing and I'm sort of sat in the audience going I hope that was okay I hope that was okay and so there was then an interval where Mm -hmm. I went to the loo and other people were in there and I got stopped by every other person going that was brilliant well done you could hear a pin like you you could have heard a pin drop and someone said that to me and I was like oh (laughs) we'd had talks all the way throughout the day and the only time that everyone was silent was that 15 minutes and I think they just didn't know what hit them (laughs) amazing but i often like i often describe it and i go okay people like why 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 goblins because you know goblins are often thought of as being a bit wicked i'm like well because i do a lot of work with the fair folk with the fairies yes but if you say fairies to people they think of of sparkly flower fairies and like stripy socks and and Mm -hmm. all very sweet and what have you you say goblins they think of of fairy spirits oh yes right and so I was grappling with this while I'm thinking you know I want to do a storytelling show and I want to share about fairies and I want to share that magic with people and you know give context for the the the, um, fairy tales and things and give that energy how do I do that without immediately having everyone go uh that's for girls (sighs) uh that's for six-year-olds yes and like you do it by talking about goblins and this year back in March I actually like it was an impulse thing that I decided in like November that I was going to basically put on a uh, a goblin masquerade so there was an afternoon market and there were musicians and talks and things all the way through the day and then Mm -hmm. we had a little bit of a break cleared the market away set up chairs and then there was um uh the ominous folk of hopeless maine came and did a, a steampunk storytelling and music mm-hmm. show um a local band called eclectica came and played music for us our, a belly dancing troupe who are fantastic yes. um came and danced uh ats um it's now oh. called fat chance belly dance style yes belly dance yeah put on a show and then we had a bit of a disco so we had this huge party and i called it the goblin masquerade <laughs> And it was done before tourist season because I live in on the coast of West Wales, right? Mm, okay, yes. In a touristy area. So I put it in March before the tourists came so that it was for the locals. Oh, I love that. Yes. And we were after all the pandemic stuff and everyone was desperate to reconnect and rebuild community. And I was like, sod it, let's fuck it. Let's just have a party. Yes. And by calling it a goblin masquerade rather than a fairy tale thing, mm-hmm. everyone felt like they could just come as they were. And loads of people dressed up 
there was this huge variety from we had a um a genderqueer fairy king that had these beautiful antlers and like fawn type thing and the fawn boots and was like just stunning and a blue fairy and an amazing gown with these huge wings and beautiful hair and uh, frozen princesses and and then we also had um kids coming as like goblin hunters right (gasps) The, the the one that turned up as a as a goblin hunter actually said to me as they were leaving thank you i've had such a great time next time i'm coming as a goblin warrior <laughs> but what it did not only did it take away the uh it's for girls and it's just going to be all lots of glitter it removed the stress of being pristine or perfect or meeting any kind of standard people could just come in their yes. goblin scruffs and they could dress up in a ball gown if they wanted to, or they could turn up in their welly boots and their cut-off jeans. Yes. And everyone was welcome and everyone fit because nobody fit. Oh, I love that so much. The next week, several people sent me a link to an article that was about um, Goblin Core. And it was this this whole article in The Guardian or whatever it was yeah. that was talking about um, why is everyone slobbing out and giving up and this is Goblin Core. And I'm like, no, no. Goblin Core is you are welcome as you are. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that is, that's the core of the Goblin Circus. Of course. Everyone is welcome as they are. It's a home for the misfits. It's a home for anyone that wants it. It's a home for lost stories and for lost people. Oh, yes. And there are uh, goblins, it's great. (laughs) Of course. I mean, obviously, it's great. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So that is the Goblin Circus. And I am Halo Quinn, ringleader. And... (laughs) Uh, host of Goblin Circus events. <laughs> oh my god, amazing! Um, so, if people want to find more of your storytelling, they want to find your books. I know you said you have multiple email addresses and websites. <laughs> List as many of those as you want, right? <laughs> so, I try to keep everything sort of centered. Um, I like sometimes don't link things in for a little while but I try and keep everything centered on haloquin.net so that's my name h-a-l-o-q-u-i-n so quinn as in harlequin halo as in you know I am a bright shining light and I'm (laughs) but yeah um so that that so haloquin.net um and I've got a the a, a site theenchantedacademy.com so all one word no spaces or anything theenchantedacademy.com and that's where I put um, courses I've got courses working so the the book um, let's do a do a plug um, but this this book fairy tales folk uh, folk tales fairies and spirits which is about building your relationship with spirits via the the story of folk tales and how you can start to to find your own way into that that was based on a course and you can actually take the course um which has once you you sign up to it you've basically sort of got access to it and I'm going to be adding things Mm -hmm. over time so some of the meditations in it are recorded and things like that so as well as the text and I'll be adding extra stories and and 
things there. So that's that's on there. There's also a course on working with the elements, um, elements of magic uh, or elemental magic. Yeah. Um, so you can find all my courses and my books linked to from there when I update it. Uh, and I have a mailing list that you can link to, which is on both those sites. So haloquin.net or theenchantedacademy.com. Um, you can also find me on social media. Um, I'm on Instagram as Halo Quinn, on Twitter as Halo Quinn. I mostly bounce about ADHD on there and <laughs> reshare pictures of cute animals because Twitter is full of terror. <laughs> terror, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I'm on Facebook as Halo Quinn Author. Okay, great. Because I managed to ADHD Halo Quinn out of the <laughs> out of the available um, names. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. I understand again I understand <laughs> so much of this on a visceral level yeah. yeah and I should probably say you can order all of my books um from your local independent bookshops as well as the usual suspects please if you do read my books and you like them put a review up on things because that helps other people like know whether or not it's worth picking up um but I'm also like, I like it when people put, I liked this about it, because it means that people can go, oh, that will be useful for me, or that's not going to be useful for me. And that's really useful for people. Um, but yeah, go go and support your local local independent bookshops because they need it. Very true also. Yeah. And I will put, I will put all the links in the description um, Yay, where everywhere I publish this. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much i've had a great time i've had a magnificent time i am gonna be flying high the rest of the day <laughs> <laughs> yes that is what we like yeah, exactly. so, yeah thank you so much for listening and or watching you can find halo at haloquin.net um, also at the enchanted academy i'm going to put all of her links in the description um, both on anchor and on youtube um, please follow her she is incredibly delightful like I said, it was such a wonderful conversation to revisit, especially affirming as I, like I said, come out of this intense burnout. Um, if you want to follow along with Personal Pans, I am on Twitter at Personal Pans, Instagram, Personal Pans. And if you want to find me, I am uh, mostly on Twitter for now at Kali Butterfly. That's K-A-L-I Butterfly. Um, you can also find me at KaliButterfly.com and, and various uh, Kali Butterfly iterations on the internet. Um, thank you again for your patience as I've been trying to, to get these episodes out into the world again. And um, I hope that you have a playful and curious day. <laughs>